The first lesson this morning is from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. The word of the Lord. The psalm for today is uh, Psalm 40, verses 1 through 11. It's printed in the bulletin. You read the bold verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them Yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not delighted. You have given me the earth. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not strained my lips as you know, Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. 
You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. Speak, O Lord, and renew our lives. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace. us pray. Father, we thank you for the call of your disciples, and we thank you that you call us, and we pray that we might hear your call this morning as we listen to your word and ponder it in our hearts and receive it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As I was writing um, this sermon this week, I remembered something that happened to me when I was young that I hadn't thought about in a long time, probably, you know, decades. This was a a memory from the deep past. (laughs) And I remembered rather vividly my feelings around the telephone. When I was uh, 10 or 11 or 12, it was so hard for me to call up a friend. And I I know I've told you how shy I was when I was um, little and even into adulthood. And, you know, you'd want to call up a friend and invite him over to play. Maybe, Maybe you remember feeling that way too, I don't know, or maybe you're thinking, she's strange, but... That was what it was like for me. I was at that age when my mom wouldn't do it for me anymore, you know, so you had to get up your courage to call. And um, it was particularly devastating if you called your best friend and she said she couldn't come over, but you heard somebody else, another girl, in the background. So you know she'd invited somebody else over. So when I got home from school, I longed for someone to call me up and invite me over because it was so hard for me to call them. And this is the the memory that came back to me. I remember getting a prank call from some friends once. 
Someone called me, you know, I'm not even sure who it was. They called me and asked me a question. And when I answered, I could hear peals of laughter in the background, and then they hung up. Um, you know, I don't remember the question. It was probably about a boy. And, um, you know, it's kind of typical preteen girl stuff. But, you know, when you're longing to be called up and invited over, it's really painful to be tricked and humiliated instead. I'm sure that we've all experienced that kind of thing, right? Where in the vulnerability of need and desire, you get humiliated instead of welcomed and loved. And no wonder we are guarded. No wonder we're afraid to be vulnerable. Now imagine if the next phone call you got was from Jesus. And he said, hi, Mary, hi, Jeff, hi, JD. I'm calling you up just to tell you how much I love you. I love talking with you. Please call me anytime. Put this number in your contacts list so you'll always know it's me when I call because I know how much you hate those anonymous calls when people are trying to sell you something. Put me on speed dial and I'll always answer and come over whenever you want and we'll have tea. You never have to be lonely. Wouldn't that be great? You wouldn't have time to wonder whether it was really God calling you because you could see right there on your phone. Maybe he'd send you text messages of encouragement when things were particularly difficult. Maybe a ping when you were thinking mean thoughts about somebody. Or you're about to do something you shouldn't do, you know, just like little Our gospel reading today is about Jesus calling his first disciples. And um, if you want to look in your pew Bible, I don't know the name, the number, the page number. Does somebody know the page number? <laughs> anyway, it's, it's John 1, first chapter of John, verses 29 to 42. 750? 750. Now, of course, you know, Jesus didn't call them on the phone. <laughs> Starting at verse 35, we read about Andrew and Peter being called. And there was another disciple who isn't named. Maybe it was John, uh, the gospel writer, because he never names himself. And in the passage that follows what we read this morning, Jesus calls Philip to follow him. And then Philip goes and gets his friend Nathaniel. And uh, so the followers start to form, the little, little band of followers who have heard Jesus's call. But there are some people called by God in the first part of our gospel reading also. 
and the first person called is John the Baptist. We know he was called before he was born. He leapt in his mother's womb when Mary came in pregnant with the baby Jesus when she walked into his house, his mother's house. He was called to be the forerunner to the Messiah, preparing the people for Jesus' ministry, reminding people of their sin and calling them to repentance. So his whole prophetic call was to point to Jesus and to say, look over here. This is the one to follow, not me. So John was an arrow that pointed away from himself to Jesus. And John sees Jesus and points right at him and says, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How does, how does John know this? Well, God gave him the sign of the dove descending and remaining on the Messiah. And so he bears witness to that. He testifies to what he saw when he baptized Jesus. The Spirit descending and remaining on Jesus. So John was this arrow that pointed to Jesus. That was his call. It was a call to utter humility and utter singularity of purpose. And he fulfilled that call and that purpose. Last week, we, we read Matthew's account of the baptism of Jesus. And Father Ross talked to us about the voice of the Father declaring his love for Jesus and how knowing the Father's love and the Father's delight in him was, uh, you know, even before he had begun his ministry, even before he had done anything, that was what sustained Jesus all the way to the cross, was knowing his identity in the Father. Well, the baptism is, of Jesus is so important that we find it in all four of the Gospels because it is the moment when Jesus is called by the Father to begin to do the work that all these 30 years of preparation have been leading up to. And he's called to step into his identity as the Son of God, as the Anointed One. And although it's not explicit in John's Gospel, the baptism of Jesus is the place in the Gospels where we have the, the manifestation or the revealing of the Trinity in all in unity in this moment of inauguration, the Father's voice from heaven declaring his love and pleasure in the Son. The Son offering himself in obedience to the Father as he identifies with sinful humanity in his baptism. And the Holy Spirit descending like a dove to anoint and empower the Son with the Father's love. So you can kind of imagine a beautiful, a beautiful picture of you know, the, the Father's hands sending the dove out of heaven and the dove 
alights and remains on Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit beginning this work of redemption together. So, so now that Jesus has his call from the Father and his anointing by the Spirit, he begins to call others to join him and to be his followers. He notices a couple of John the Baptist's disciples are following him because John said, there he goes, go get him, you know, go follow him. <laughs> and so they go after Jesus. They are seekers, they're curious. They feel drawn to Jesus. And so, so he says, come over to my house. Come and see where I'm staying. Come and stay with me and eat with me. Come and join me. Come and get to know me. And then Andrew calls his own brother, Simon, and brings him to Jesus. And Jesus welcomes him and gives him a new name. Peter, he says, you are Peter. It's his true name. Jesus calls Peter to take up his true identity, just as Jesus has taken up his own true identity as the Son. So Peter is called to take up his true identity as the rock. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. It's similar to what um, St. Irenaeus said, which is, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. So when we are truly who we are meant to be, who God means us to be, we will show forth the glory of God. We will, just by being who we are, we'll show forth God's glory. And we will set the world on fire. Wow. So, we know that Peter had to grow into his new name, right? Jesus gave him the name Peter, the rock, but it was a long time before he was a rock. Um, we see him with many foibles and failures, don't we? Serious ones. But he kept on the path with Jesus. He stayed close to Jesus. He kept seeking to live out of that new name, to live into that new name. And to be who we are meant to be is to be courageous, steadfast, confident in the Lord, humble like John the Baptist and like Jesus, and to live out of love and for love, because our true identity is in Christ. Our true identity is in God, who is love. When, when I read this passage about the call of the first disciples, Jesus just seemed so welcoming to me, so hospitable, so kind and so gracious. He notices people. He's attentive to others 
You know, here he, he is beginning this huge ministry, the work of redemption. <laughs> and the consequences are eternal and for the whole world. But he's not self-absorbed about it. He's not thinking, oh, I've got to get this right, or I don't want to look bad, I don't want to fail. He's not thinking as he meets people, oh, here's someone I can use for my own advantage to advance my own purposes. If that's been your experience of leadership, it makes it hard to trust that God is not like that. Love is not like that. Love calls other to itself in order to raise them up, not to use them or push them down. Jesus is not self-absorbed in his call. Jesus' ministry is for others. It's outward focused. He's attentive to people. He notices people. He cares about them. He's loving them into who they truly are, even as he invites them to join him in his work. This week, I was with some friends, and someone asked me about how I decided to leave the Episcopal Church and join the Anglicans. And uh, for some reason, I guess because um, I was with good friends, I gave the long, detailed story instead of the short story. And again, I was sitting around dinner, kind of go on and on, but I don't have time for the whole long story here, so I'll spare you that. But I will say that we were living in Italy. I'd been ordained a priest at the American Episcopal Church in Rome. And then I planted an English-speaking Episcopal mission parish in Orvieto, where we were living. And um, things had been going very well for a couple of years. And then some pretty awful things happened that involved lies and betrayal and it involved mishandling and poor judgment from some clergy who were supposed to be helping me and uh, supporting me caring for me, including the bishop. And they were really concerned for themselves. And rather than stepping up to help me, they abandoned me. And uh, so John and I had already decided that we would be coming back to the US at the end of the year. But when all of this happened, that was still eight months away, you know, and I had to get through these eight months, and it was, it was pretty awful. It was really hard. And we came back to the U.S. at Christmas that year, and I, I checked in with um, Father Bill Murdoch, who had sponsored me for ordination um, from All Saints, and, um, and All Saints had come to West Newbury by then, and I think that he had just been made bishop. I think he had just been made bishop. So now he was Bishop Bill. And when I told him what was going on, he did what a good bishop should do. 
which was to give me good pastoral counsel, to encourage me and pray for me. And then he invited me to come and join him in the new diocese that was forming. And he said that he, when I came back, he would give me Episcopal covering so that I would be under his care and protection. Phew, oh, what a relief. I mean, that sounded so good, rather than to be hung out to dry by my bishop. And when we moved back, he invited me to be his canon for spiritual formation, to use my gifts for the work of the kingdom. It was so wonderful because there was freedom in this call to serve. There was recognition of who I am, an invitation to use my gifts, and a place to continue to grow into who God means for me to be. And it was healing because it was Christ-like. It was Jesus extending his love and his grace and his protection, his invitation and call through another follower of Jesus. It was like getting that phone call from Jesus saying, I love you. I see what you're going through. I'm going to care for you and I want you to share with me in the work that I'm doing. This is church as it's meant to be. It's not always like this. But when we give ourselves to the Lord and when we really are seeking the Lord and seeking the Holy Spirit to guide us and fill us and anoint us, this is, this is church. This is what the church is. This is who are, we are meant to be for one another. Yesterday, our ministry leaders gathered to talk about the direction of their ministries for the next few months and to imagine where we could go together. And what we noticed most, I think, was how the Spirit was really anointing the leaders to use their gifts. But they weren't just individual ministries. It was clear that there was a spirit-led, unified direction. It was, it was really exciting as we realized all the connections of how our ministries are, can be integrated, can work with one another, and this person is doing this, but you know, this ministry over here can connect in this way. And it was, it was, we could see that there was this larger vision that God was showing us. God was showing us this larger vision for, for ministry. And all of the, the ministry that we talked about was connected to, to the Lord's vision for us to reach out to the people of Amesbury uh, through mission and outreach, through hospitality, through discipleship and children's ministry, through music, and maybe even someday a children's choir where we can invite 
the children of Amesbury to be part of a, of a children's choir. Pastoral care for people who are suffering and struggling. Our website and technology, all of these things we could see were part of what the Lord is doing to build this church up into a place that is reaching out to Amesbury and, and even beyond that, right? So we were encouraged to realize that Jesus is the one calling us into ministry leadership. Yet all of us are called to share in the ministry of the church. Um, sometime in the next few weeks, when I, when I can get to it, <laughs> um, we'll be sending out an online form for you to fill out and a spiritual gifts, a link to a spiritual gifts assessment. It's so great, we can just do it online, you know, you don't have to write anything out, you just, you know, it's easy. And uh, then you click and it goes right to the church. So we would like to invite everybody to be uh, thinking about what are my gifts? Who has God called me to be? What is the way that, that Jesus is inviting me into service at All Saints for the sake of this Amesbury community? And maybe you're already involved in a ministry or even more than a min one ministry. Um, so you can think about, are, is there something I want to step back from, something I want to do instead, maybe based on your um, gifts assessment, um, something like that. So you'll have an opportunity to, to think about this, to pray about it. It's not obligatory. It's completely voluntary. There are easy on-ramps and off-ramps. So it's, we don't want it to feel like it's a burden. But we would like everyone who wants to, to be able to be involved in ministry at church. Yesterday, we, we also talked about how we can bring our five loaves and two fishes to place in the Lord's hands. You know, we often feel, and I think we, you know, we can get kind of burdened by the ministry that we're doing, and I know this is true for me, when I forget that you're right, you do only have five loaves and two fishes, but if I give that to the Lord, it will be more than enough. It will be abundance for what the Lord wants to do. It's not up to me to do that, but I do have to bring what I've got. I do have to take that step. So when we, you know, may not look like a lot, but when we place them in the Lord's hands, we have abundance. So do you know who you are in Jesus? Has he given you a new name? All of us are bound together in the love of Jesus Christ and the unity of the Spirit. You are called by the Father, following Jesus, anointed by the Spirit. And you are invited to live into who you are meant to be as God knows you, which is the beloved of God. That's who you are. You are the beloved. And so then, look out. Look out Amesbury, right? Because we will set the world on fire.
and we will bring glory to God. Amen.